The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. First base seems to be a deep position, but just how deep is it? Let's find out. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, October 25th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scotty Dub, Scott White. Today on the show, you guessed it. First base year in review. We'll take a look at I'll look back at the top 10 finishers at the position from this past season and early 2023 first base rankings. Scotty, it's my time to join you, bud. On the sideline, the Yankees were once again defeated by our nemesis, the Houston Astros in the ALCS, a sweep in which I was at the final game of the series. Oh, had to see it in person, huh? I've never actually been to the... final game of a baseball season for a for a, I guess for a specific team but it's never okay. happened before yeah now I've done it you got to see the Astros celebrating on your field I didn't actually see that celebration how no I didn't I did not watch it, a single was second. it raucous <laughs> no as soon as or, the final out at first base happened I just walked out of the stadium I, I did not I did not watch no, a single you second. Of it. you didn't see no. it you, yeah. you'd think that for a sweep it'd be a little subdued especially for a team that's been to the World Series as frequently as the Astros have in recent years. So, but I don't know. I didn't happen to see it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, if you didn't, the good news is, Frank, even if they had made it past the Astros, the Yankees would have just lost to the Phillies because they're the team of destiny and beat Uh everybody. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know what? I hope you're right because I don't want to see the Astros win again. Uh, yes, well, I am a. I, 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 am I a think hater. I'm actually. I think I'm actually rooting for the Astros. Tbh. Oh, geez, I think I am. God, I'm come sorry, on, man. I'm sorry, world. <sighs> um, I I want to because you know obviously they won the World Series, but then you know it was the year. What year was it? 2019, and. Uh, You know, obviously that has the stink of the sign-stealing scandal, which I think think it was overblown. The reaction to it was overblown to begin with. And uh, a lot of these players have been treated too harshly in relation to it. So I'd like to see them win one, this like core. And I know some of the core is gone now. Carlos Correa, Garrett Cole, they're gone. I get that. But Obviously, the Astros have had a dominant multi-year stretch here, and I'd like to see it rewarded with a World Series title in a way that people can't undermine and dispute. And so I'm rooting for them. 
All right, plus, I'd like to see I like to see greatness rewarded. And I still I, I talked about that last time with the Phillies, the fact that they were the third place team in their own division, only won how many games? Like nobody was expecting them to win the World Series. So I'm rooting for the Astros, and I may be the only one who's not an Astros fan himself. Well, you are the only one rooting for the Astros because I was about to say, I will not be doing that. I'm going for the Phillies. I think the Astros are probably realistically going to win it all because they are just watching them up close in person. They are such a fundamental team. Like they play great defense. They run the bases well. They have such great at-bats, plate discipline. They don't swing at pitches outside the strike zone. They make every pitcher work. They have great pitching as well. It's just... They are such a great team, top to bottom. Jeremy Pena won the ALCS MVP award, and he's a baller, Scott. Like, I know we didn't see it consistently throughout the season, but in terms of power, speed, and especially what he offers defensively, he is he's going to be really good. I, I think Jeremy, like, we haven't seen in, like, the OPS and, like, the overall hitting stats yet, but I think Jeremy Pena is going to be yeah. a player. Yeah, I mean, certainly defensively, he adds a lot of value. Will that translate to fantasy so much? I have my doubts about that. That he's he's like he's so lacking in on base skills that um, it's going to take a lot of power and or a lot of speed. And I'm not sure he's going to deliver enough of either to be a real standout in fantasy. But he'll be a he'll be a useful player probably. 22 homers, 11 steals as a rookie. That's it's pretty impressive stuff. So uh, I think I think Payne's going to turn out to be really good. We'll save more analysis for him when we get to our shortstop preview. And uh, speaking of the Phillies, Bryce Harper, just an awesome series for him as well. In the postseason, he's batting 419, five homers, a 1351 OPS. He took home the NLCS MVP. Uh, great call. I think it was by Joe Davis to the the swing of his life for Bryce Harper. So it's really cool to see Harper get into the World Series, and now we'll see what they do. Uh, Philly's going up against the Astros there. Uh, all right, Scott, you've already made your prediction known that you will be going for the Astros. I'm going it's for... Not a, it's not a prediction so much as a rooting interest. All right. But if you're asking me to predict, I'll predict the Astros too. I'll usually predict the better team. I mean, obviously that's not always the way the playoffs go, and that's why you play the playoffs, but... That's usually what I'll do. All right, so that is the playoffs in the World Series. Let's get into the first base recap from this past season. I mentioned at the top that it is a relatively deep position. 13 players finish inside the top 100 in Roto, according to the CBS 5x5 algorithm. Um, so that seems like a pretty good number. I think there was, when I was looking it up, nine at second base inside the top 100, nine at third base inside the top 100. We know now that second base and third base are quite shallow, not great positions. And then shortstop, there was like 15 or 16. So I think Mm -hmm. first base kind of lies somewhere in between that. Like not as deep as shortstop, but definitely better than second base and third base. Now, when you were were counting these at each position, were you taking out players who won't be eligible to positions next year? For instance, did you count Trey Turner as a second baseman or no? I, let's see. I did. I did. So okay. second base is even worse than I thought. <laughs> like, yeah, first yeah. base probably loses the least players of, of those positions to uh, to next year's eligibility. So that that even further distinguishes it in terms of the number of players who finished in the top one overall overall top one hundred overall in roto. And you know it's it's kind of strange because it's not deep. It's not deep at the top so mm-hmm. much. Like there are few sure things at first base, I feel like, but there are a lot of players coming off good seasons who may be able to repeat those good seasons, and there are a lot of other players who have the potential to have good seasons. So, I think certainly when you just compare it to any other infield position, uh, second and third base, as you mentioned, like it's really no comparison in terms of depth. Shortstop. They're deep in different ways. First base and shortstop. Shortstop, shortstop has more sure things, but once they run out, they <laughs> once they run out, there's not a lot to like at the position. And first base, uh, you know, you can pretty much always find a first baseman that you're at least somewhat interested in. Yeah, you mentioned that top four group, Scott, and 
that seems to be the elite standouts at the position. We actually have a poll going on YouTube. So if you're watching live, you can vote on which one you would draft first of that group. And let's start with the number one from this past season. That was Paul Goldschmidt, who finished second overall in Roto. Of course, the number one first baseman. He averaged 3.8 fantasy points per game. Just an awesome mark uh, in that format in head-to-head points. And he was being drafted as the fifth first baseman off the board during draft season. He went 317 batting average, 35 homers, 106 runs, 115 RBI, seven steals. True five-category contributor. Didn't run as much as he did in 2021, uh, but it did not matter, Scott. Really, outside of 2019, Goldschmidt has been so consistent. 286 or better every season of his career. He has 31 homers in each of his past five full season, 31 plus home runs during that time. The only thing, Scott, that you know I'll look at, and I think a lot of people will look at, is the underwhelming expected statistics, right? What do we make of yep. these? He hit 317, his XBA was 261, he slugged 578, his X slug was 482. Does that matter? I don't know, you tell me. I don't think it does at this point. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt was the fifth first baseman to be drafted this season, heading into this season 2020. And remember, at that time, we were kind of skeptical of this bounce-back season he had. It looked like he was on the decline, and then he puts up the these kind of uh, uh, throwback numbers for Paul Goldschmidt with all the steals and everything. And we were like, yeah, it doesn't make sense for a guy to be doing this in his mid-30s. Skepticism is warranted. And then he comes back, and you know the steals were down a little bit, but otherwise the numbers were even better than during that bounce-back season. So I think uh, the him doing it in back-to-back years like that. I understand he'll be 35 next year, but I've kind of been, I don't know what the right word is, disappointed, I guess, that when I go on Twitter and kind of gauge where everybody's at in the early rounds, first round, second round, there seems to be no enthusiasm for drafting Goldschmidt again. Nope. At least, you know, we're, we're, we're talking drafting for 2023 in October. I get it. So <laughs> it, ideas are going to change over the next several months. But like, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of appetite for treating Paul Goldschmidt like an early rounder, even though he's performed. Well, shoot. I mean, if you want to know, obviously Aaron Judge was the best player hitter in fantasy this past year. But if you want to know who was second, at least according to CBS's Roto formula, Paul Goldschmidt was the number two overall hitter yep. in, in 2022. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like he deserves, like, frankly, I feel like he deserves to go, like, he could make a case for him to be a late first rounder. It's not going to happen in any league, I don't think, just based on the temperature I've taken so far, but absolutely, Paul Goldschmidt deserves to be a second rounder next year, and I have him, uh, let me double check this, yeah, I have him as my number two first baseman in both formats. I may, I may be an oddball. Again, it seems like other people want to go Vladimir Guerrero, Pete Alonso even. I've seen enthusiasm for him over Goldschmidt, but no, I'm going to take Goldschmidt. Yeah, I was going to save that for a little bit later on, and we'll talk about it, but that is an early take in your rankings that I do not think will be a popular one, Scott. I, I do think people just aren't enthusiastic to draft a 35-year-old first baseman coming off arguably a career year. I think some regression will come. Like he absolutely crushed lefty Scott to a point where this is not sustainable. He had 411 with a 1327 OPS against left-handed pitching last year. That's just not repeatable in my opinion. So that will come down a little bit. I think the overall numbers will come down a little bit, but I do think he's trustworthy. Let's move on to number two. The number two first baseman from this past season was Freddie Freeman. He finished as the third overall player in Roto. So it was judge Goldie, Freeman, those were your top three players in fantasy baseball this past season. He averaged 3.7 fantasy points per game. That was second at the position. And he was being drafted as the 12th overall player last year. So obviously just paying off value as he always does in Freddie Freeman. He hit 325. That was second best in all of baseball. 21 homers took a little bit of a step back there. 117 runs scored. That was tied for second most in Major League Baseball, 100 RBI, 13 steals, obviously led the first base position. There's just not a lot of players who run at first base. And of course, he did that with his uh, new team in the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has hit 300 or better six of the last seasons. Freddie Freeman has uh, batted ball quality spot on here, Scott. I mean, 
the only thing you look at that changed was the power. I mean, his home run to fly ball ratio was down a little bit. Maybe he's more of a 20 to 24 home run hitter in this new environment, but I don't think it matters because he contributes so much everywhere else. Batting average, counting stats, steals. So what? Yeah. If I get less power, it does not matter to me one bit. Well, maybe he is more like a 20 to 25 homer guy in this environment, or maybe it was just kind of a fluky thing that happened him hitting so few home runs. I mean, he underperformed his expected slug by uh, 27 points. And let's see here. Let me look this up real quick. No, that's not really going to tell a better story. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at his StatCast page still basically lit up in red. I mean, he still hits the ball very hard. He still has a quality launch angle. Like, I, I think there's a good chance he bounces back with another 30 homer season. And if our Roto formula had him as the number three overall player, even with him underperforming so much in home runs, then, you know, just imagine what the upside looks like for Freddie Freeman in this Dodgers lineup where he's driving in so many runs and scoring so many runs. Not that he didn't do a lot of that with the Braves, but I think, uh, I think the Dodgers gives him a higher floor in those two categories. And uh, I, I mentioned the debate over who's the number two first baseman in my rankings and how Guerrero and Alonzo were in that discussion with Goldschmidt. I didn't mention Freeman because I have him number one. He's the one first baseman who I think is going to be worth drafting in the first round next year. Again, it's something like 12th overall because there are higher priority positions, higher upside players to fill those spots ahead of him. But Freeman is hasn't lost any of his luster to me, even with the the disappointing home run output. I think Freeman has earned that right too. He's just been so consistent for so long. I think it makes sense for him to be to be the top first baseman off the board. Once that one other stat I wanted to bring up is that from June first on, he had a fourteen point eight percent home run to fly ball ratio, which is much closer to his career mark. Could have just taken some time to get acclimated to the Dodgers and playing in a new ballpark for a new team. Uh, but yeah, it would not surprise me one bit if he bounces back for like 25, 26, 27 home runs next year. Pete Alonso was the third overall first baseman and the seventh overall player in Roto, 3.5 fantasy points per game in that format. And he was drafted as the fourth first baseman off the board last year, uh, 44th overall, so did pay off quite a bit of value. He hit 271, 40 home runs, led the position, 131 RBI, tied for the league lead with Aaron Judge. 146 homers, Scott, 380 RBI since the start of 2019 for Pete Alonso. Both of those, the most in baseball. He is mm-hmm. the premier home run hitter in the game who hits in the middle of a pretty damn good lineup with the Mets, and I don't really see any reason why that's going to change, Scott. He has legitimately wait, 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 wait. improved as a player, too. What do you mean by the premier home run hitter in the game? Just... Because obviously that's Aaron Judge. I guess in the National League. He's one of the premier <laughs> home run hitters in the game. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, 40. I, I mean, you can pencil him in for between 35 and 40 home runs. Uh, I, I feel about as confident saying that for Pete Alonso as any player, including maybe even Aaron Judge because of Judge's health history, right? So, yeah. And, and another interesting fact here with uh, Pete Alonso he and Aaron Judge were the first two players to have 40-plus home runs, 130 RBI-plus in a season since 2017 or 2018, I think it was, when J.D. Martinez did it. J.D. Martinez was the last dude. It had been a few years. And uh, Pete Alonso joined with Judge in doing that. Here's one issue I have with him. So those 131 RBI were compared to 94 in 2021, and that wasn't an injury thing. He played 152 games that year. So that's, like, I don't think you can just pencil him in for 130 RBI again. Will it be more than 94? Probably the Mets lineup is looks to be better in 2023 than it was in 2021. But that massive RBI total did a lot to elevate Pete Alonso. And, uh, you know, especially when you look at 
you know, Freddie Freeman's kind of made himself into a little bit of a base stealer. Goldschmidt has a history of doing that. Alonzo's absolutely not going to help you in stolen bases. So um, definitely deserves to rank behind those guys, even if he is maybe the safest power source of the three. There is a lot of volatility, Scott, in projecting counting stats year over year. It's just we have to look at lineups and try and look, we're taking educated guesses, right? Trying to figure out where the most counting stats could come. Like I noticed this with Reese Hoskins. We'll talk about him in a little bit. The Phillies lineup felt like it was pretty good for most of the season. His counting stats were really lackluster. Uh, Same thing with Nate Lowe. He had a great year. He hit over 300. He hit a bunch of home runs. Counting stats were not good. So it's just really hard to predict counting stats year over year. You mean specifically, you mean runs and RBI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. runs and RBI. Um, So much of it is dependent on, on, you know, the context of your team. And we just don't really know until the the season gets up and running. I still think the Mets are going to be pretty good, but obviously we'll see what they do in the offseason. Your number four first baseman was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who finished 24th overall. He averaged 3.2 fantasy points per game. He was drafted as the first first baseman off the board last year. He was taken you know, top three overall in most drafts, I would say. In Roto, maybe he slipped a little bit top five, something like that. But either way, a little bit of a disappointment. He didn't really crush you or anything. He had 274, 32 homers, 90 runs, 97 RBI, and eight steals. Surprisingly enough, career high tied for third best at the position. One thing I noticed, got extremely durable. Vlad Jr. has missed only three games over the past three seasons. The question is what happened this year, right? Like, why did the slugging take such a step back? Why did the home runs take a step back? It really just comes down to the launch angle, Scott. We we get these year-over-year inconsistencies with Vlad where uh, in 2021, he hit more fly balls and less ground balls, and his home run total took off. This year, kind of reverted back, and that's why we see the home run uh, power come down a little bit. I still think he can get back to like 40 homers and a great batting average, but it really just comes down to the launch angle. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the fact he still hit 32 home runs in a worse environment for home runs um, and with the launch angle problems, I think, is a testament to Vladimir Guerrero's skill. I was a little disappointed given how hard he hits the ball, how little he strikes out, that he's batted only 274. That almost strikes me as weirder than, than the decline in home runs that we saw. So, I mean, if we're treating 2021 where he flirted with uh, with triple crown honors, where he was the number one player in Roto, despite not being much of a base stealer at all, if we're treating that 2021 season as Vladimir Guerrero's upside, then I think we could look at 2022 as approximately the downside. And, yeah, if that's the downside, you're, you're talking about a really good player. Uh, it, I don't have an issue with anybody just kind of reflexively ranking Guerrero as the number one first baseman again, since he's so young, since we've seen how high the upside is. I'm not doing that, but I I think there's definitely a case for it. Yeah, that early draft that I did, Scott, Vlad went three picks before Freddie Freeman. So there there still is going to be some people next year who want to draft him as the first, first baseman off the board. And it makes sense. Vlad will turn 24 years old in March. And as we saw in 2021, the upside is still sky high. I did want to bring up his eight steals. All of them came in the second half. And I asked Ben Nicholson-Smith about it. He does a great job covering the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. Uh, You can follow him at B. Nicholson-Smith. And he attributed the aggressiveness to John Schneider taking over as the manager. I I looked at the date when John Schneider took over. They didn't run a ton more. Like Their rate of stealing bases on a per-game basis was a little bit better under John Schneider. So uh, maybe it's something where we can pencil in five to 10 for Vlad. And obviously we're expecting more steals in general, but I I mean, you, you see, you see slow players sometimes have these spurts where they steal more bases. I remember uh, the first couple months, a couple years ago, Raphael Devers had a stretch like that. And then like he didn't steal anything else the rest of the year. And he hasn't been a base stealer since then. I've already said next year is going to be the wild west as far (laughs) as stolen bases go with the rule changes. So, you know, I'm not going to put it past. I wouldn't put it past Vladimir Guerrero to steal eight bases again. But I think if he does, it's because the environment for steals changed that much, not because Vladimir Guerrero has a knack for stealing bases. 33rd percentile sprint speed. So we're not talking about 
a guy who profiles for a lot of that. I remember Pujols used to run wild back in the days. He used to like approach 20 steals and he was not a fast player at any point in his career. He just knew how to pick his spots and he was a kind of a savvy base runner. So maybe Vlad could do some of the same. The number five first baseman from this past season was Christian Walker, who finished 50th overall in Roto 2.9 fantasy points per game. He had an ADP outside of the top 400 before this season. Some people might have even picked him up and uh, he... As a result, he might have been a league winner. He hit 242, 36 homers, 94 RBI. Both of those numbers were career highs. Uh, did a bit a better job of making contact, Scott. It was a career best strikeout rate. Christian Walker hits the ball hard. He puts it in the air. And he could be even better based on his uh, expected statistics. What, what do you think about this breakout season for Christian Walker? Yeah, he's a really hard player to rank because obviously we had written him off in fantasy. He had a... He had a season where he was more or less must start in 2019, where power numbers were up across the league. I joke sometimes everybody set a career high in home runs in 2019. It wasn't literally everybody, but it was more or less everybody. <laughs> and uh, Christian Walker was was part of that. But then he did nothing in 2020, nothing in 2021. It's like, just re- replace him with Seth Beer already. Come on, guys. And then he goes and has this season, which is even better than that 2019 season. And all the underlying numbers more or less support it. You mentioned uh, his expected batting average was 15 points higher than his actual one. Boy, he got that. He got that. A batting 242 is what he ended up with. Christian Walker. He hit 285 in the second half, Scott. Yeah. So he already showed a lot of improvement. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think there's room for more with Christian Walker in the batting average department because he doesn't strike out a lot. I mean, it's Pete Alonso-like contact rate with, with the power. And what I'm noticing as I start looking at hitters' numbers against the shift, how long they were, how, how often they were shifted on, what they did against the shift, what I'm noticing is that when you see this discrepancy between a player's expected batting average on StatCast and his actual batting average on StatCast in terms of underperforming his expected batting average, it's because he was shifted on a lot or did especially bad against the shift. It, It seems related to the shift. So with the new limitations placed on the shift next year, certainly, you know, you can't, you can't see teams do the exaggerated shift three infielders, on one side of second base, that's that's out. They, they can shift a little still, but two fielders have to be on each side of second base. So it's going to help things. It's going to help batting averages on ground balls. And I, Christian Walker was one of the most shifted upon right-handed hitters last year. So that might explain the discrepancy between the expected batting average and the actual batting average. As you point out, he showed some improvement uh, with that. It, it, in that regard in the second half anyway, but I I do think there's room for more. Yeah, just backing that up, Scott, he hit 233 against the shift last year, Christian Walker, and he hit 292 against non-shifts. So I don't think that he can be a 290 hitter, but no. you know, maybe he can hit 260, 270, something like that. I don't think well, it's crazy. And, and, and then the other question, and I don't, I don't want to gloss over this, is, is he actually this good? Was it just kind of a one-off fluke thing. And there's nothing in the data that suggests it was, but there certainly isn't the track record to suggest it was. And uh, he might wind up being a total bust. So and we'll get into where I have him ranked next year, but I'm not comfortable with where I have him ranked. If anything, it might be a little too high. All right, we'll get to Christian Walker again in just a little bit. But before we do that... I have to tell you about one of our great partners. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. That's LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's really easy to post a job, too. All you have to do is sign in to LinkedIn Jobs, then click on the Post a Free Job button to get started. Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word. It's easy as that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Much like the Astros and Phillies are looking to do in the World Series, it's so important to finish out the year strong. Hiring the right team members 
might just help you do that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash FBT. That's linkedin.com slash FBT to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Number six in the first base rankings this past season was Matt Olson, who finished just one spot behind Christian Walker. 51st overall in Roto, 2.9 fantasy points per game. Uh, he was drafted as the third first baseman off the board last season at an ADP of 24.2 overall. He hit 240 with 34 homers and 103 RBI. His uh, 123 home runs are the fifth most in baseball since the start of 2019. He's got the biggest takeaway here is that the strikeout rate just uh, jump back up. That That's really the biggest difference. 17% in 2021, 24% in 2022. I think at this point, we have enough data to know that Matt Olson is probably around a 250 hitter. Some years, if it's slightly better, you know, maybe we'll get 260, 270. Slightly worse, he'll hit 240. But I think we just kind of yeah. know who he is at this point. Rough batting average, really good power, good counting stats. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a disappointing season for him in fantasy. Uh, for the past couple years, I've said that Matt Olson and Pete Alonso are basically mirror images of each other, one batting left-handed, one batting right-handed. And you saw Olson have the better year in 2021. You saw Pete Alonso have the much, much better year in 2022. And I think the extent of the difference there... Well, I only have him one spot apart in my rankings, but it's it's a big gap between Pete Alonso and, and Matt Olson. Uh, a clear tier of four there at the top of first base, Freeman, Goldschmidt, Guerrero, Alonso, and then I think Olson may be in a tier of his own after that. Because he could go, he could end up, he could go either way. He could end up producing like those four ahead of him. We've seen him do it before. Or he, what happened in 2022 is he ended up performing like the lower first baseman, the, the, the tier that comes after the Alonzo's and Guerrero's of the world. Yes. You point out the strikeout rate and looking at the history for Matt Olson, that 2021 rate where he struck out only 16.8% of the time, that's the aberration. So maybe, maybe the 2022 version is closer to the true version. I do think there's something to be said for a player in a new league with a new team. Just, you know, maybe kind of needing a while to get comfortable. Obviously, he stepped into a particularly emotional situation in Atlanta, and, and though he handled himself in interviews like a champ, stands to reason the pressure of that weighed on him some. And uh, he was pretty awful down the stretch, especially, was Matt Olson. It got hot at the very end, six home runs in his last nine games, I think. But it was it, it was crashing and burning before that. So, um, you know, that helped his batting average end up where he is. I, 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 for the most part, I agree with you. I think 250 batting average could maybe approach 40 home runs. I actually had a rule of thumb back when I first started doing this gig before the data became what it is with BABIP and StatCast and all of that. I got one of my rules of thumbs for every hitter was they're all capable of hitting within 30 points of their career batting average in either direction. Like their best season is going to be 30 points higher than their career batting average. Their worst season is going to be 30 points lower than that. And though I don't really refer back to that anymore just because we have more sophisticated ways of analyzing these things. I think that's... I think that's uh, that's still basically true. And uh, Matt Olson's a career 250 hitter. Could he hit 280 one year? He hit 271 already, so it's possible. Uh, but he could also hit 210, and we've seen him do things like that before too. Yep, neither one would surprise me. I will say, if we're getting any discount on Matt Olson heading into 2023... I think I'm going to be in, uh, especially hitting in the middle of that Braves lineup. Number seven this past season was Nate Lowe. He finished 57th overall, surprisingly just 2.7 fantasy points per game. That was tied for 21st at the position. Uh, Nate Lowe had an ADP of 250 coming into the season, so quite the breakout year for him where he hit 302 overall uh, with 27 homers, 74 runs, 76 RBI. So again, the runs, the RBI, definitely low compared to everything else that he did, but... 
true breakout season here, Scott. Hit less ground balls, put the ball in the air more, was much more aggressive. He didn't walk as much. That's why you kind of see it reflected in his head-to-head points per game. Um, but are you buying what we just saw from Nate Lowe this past season? Mostly, yeah. I mean, the Babbitt being as high as it was, I think he'll struggle to hit for the same average again. And though it's such an impressive stat that I want to point it out, uh, well, I don't have the stat at the ready again, so I'll have to look it up. But basically, his whole season was mid-June on. Nate Lowe just caught fire and produced like a, a a true stud at the position. Okay, so from June 7th on, Nate Lowe hit uh, 322 with 22 home runs at 923 OPS. Wow. So it's a good stat to cite, right? But you don't actually want to draft him like he could be that because I think if there's anywhere where he's going, any area where he's going to regress, it's in the batting average given how high that BABIP was. But, you know, he was a good hitter in the minors. Uh, the fact that he got to his power more, I think certainly uh, certainly gives you reason to buy into Nate Lowe as a starter at first base. I just think it's more likely he takes a step back than a step forward. And, and as you point out, the run's an RBI for him. Uh, 76 RBI, 74 runs. This is despite playing 157 games and having and hitting over 300 for the year, right? That That's really weird that those mm-hmm. numbers were low. And so maybe just the natural correction that comes with that will help offset, you know, him hitting potentially 280 instead of 307. You mentioned the BABIP. It was 363 this past season, 349 for his career. So he does typically run high BABIPs, but... Even his expected numbers, according to StatCast, were not nearly as good as his actual numbers. So I agree he's probably likely to regress a little bit, but he's also just a young player coming into his own. So I don't want to discount that possibility too much. Brandon Drury was the eighth-ranked first baseman, but we'll save him for the third-base position when we do that. Uh, Let's move on to the profit pocket. As I referenced many times before the season, CJ Crone was part of that, and he finished 61st overall in Roto, 2.8 fantasy points per game, 257, 29 homers, 102 RBI. The 102 RBI were a career high, and he was part of the profit pocket, and he provided a lot of value this past season. The main thing for him, Scott, was that he stayed healthy. Uh, it's you know Health has been a big issue for CJ Crone. He played 150 games this past season. That was a career best. I don't feel very enthusiastic about him for next season. His He couldn't hit left-handed pitching for some odd reason. His home road splits were very, very drastic. And yeah. uh, he wasn't really as good over the final two months of the season. Uh, final four months of the season, actually. He hit, he hit 197 in the second half. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel about CJ Crone? Are you down on him like I am? I think he'll probably be fine. I mean, the main thing he has going for him is he's under contract with the Rockies still. You pointed out the home away splits were ridiculous. Just to read them out, 303 with a 955 OPS at home, total stud, 214 with a 619 OPS on the road. And you don't see, like obviously Coors Field is one of the best places to hit, probably the best place to hit. You don't see splits as as dramatic as that for most of their hitters anymore. Uh, you used to see that more, but CJ Crone is is clearly somebody who benefits from playing in that favorable hitting environment, but he's going to keep playing there. As for him slowing down in the second half, I, I don't think this means he just doesn't know how to hit anymore. Uh, he will be 33 next year, so he's not young. I think it's one of those situations there, though, where you should say, okay, full season statistics are more indicative than partial season statistics. He probably played over his head in the first half, made an all-star team. And he's not as good as that, even with the help of Coors Field. But is he good enough to start in fantasy? I would say, as long as he stays with the Rockies, absolutely. All right, that is CJ Crone. And before we get to our number nine first baseman from this past season, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, let's get into number nine at the position. That is Jose Abreu, who finished 73rd overall in Roto, 2.8 fantasy points per game. He had an ADP of 60 coming into the season, so a slight loss, and that's because the power was way down. He hit 304, 15 homers, and 75 RBI. The home run and RBI totals were both his lowest in any of his eight full seasons, and uh, the power was just sapped, Scott. His home run to fly ball ratio went from 20% in 2021 to 9.6% this past season. He's getting up there in age. Obviously, the environment has changed, but... I still kind of feel like that's going to bounce back. Uh, he is yep. set to be a free agent, and the early you know, indicators is that he's not going to be back with the White Sox, so we'll have to see where he winds up. But uh, I, could, I wouldn't a bounce-back season for Jose Abreu would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm expecting it, and I think he's going to come at quite a discount next year. People are really quick to write him off. Where did you say he went in that early 15 team mock you did? It was, Oh, he went so late. He went, it was outrageous. 149th overall. Just by virtue of what he did this past year, just taking that at face value. Yeah. That seems way too late. He finished at 304. Yeah. Uh, 75 RBI, 85 runs, 15 home runs. I mean, you you want better from Jose Abreu. You used to see him better from Jose Abreu, but that's still good production. Uh, where'd you say he finished? 73rd overall. Yeah. And then, you know, going beyond that, I think the home runs were kind of like I said for Freddie Freeman, but maybe even more so in Jose Abreu's case. Uh, the, the decline in home runs was an aberration. Half as many as 2021. So 15 home runs compared to the 30 he hit that year. And yet, he had a higher X-slug the 15 homer season than the 30 homer season. He was still yeah. 93rd percentile for average exit velocity. So I I, I think the knee-jerk reaction is going to say, okay, Jose Abreu, he's turning 36 next year. Uh, and or, you know, this new dead ball humidor environment. You know, he's just he's just not going to produce the same kind of power in it. I mean, the X slug by the end of the year, it was accounting for that. And again, it ended up being higher than in his, his uh, 30 homer 2020 season. So I just think uh, just think it was kind of a fluky thing for Jose Abreu. And I would expect 25 home runs or so again for him next year, unless he goes to uh, somewhere that's going to totally stifle that. Mm. I just had a crazy idea, Scott. Anthony Rizzo has a player option this offseason. We'll talk about Rizzo in just a bit. The Yankees might need a first baseman. Jose Abreu makes a lot of contact. He's got some power. Yeah, they could use a left-handed bat, but I don't know. Could make some sense. We'll uh, we'll see where he winds up, but uh, Yankees could be an option for Jose Abreu. The number 10 first baseman this past season, Reese Hoskins, finally. This is the real Reese Hoskins, <laughs> not, not my complete brain fart earlier. He finished 81st overall in Roto, 2.7 fantasy points per game. Again, his ADP was 127, and he finished 81st. So, profit. Like to see that. 246 batting average, 30 home runs, 81 runs, 79 RBI. 
uh, and finally stayed healthy. 156 games. He struggled with that each of the past two seasons. One thing that stood out to me, Scott, he did change his batted ball data this year quite a bit. Uh, four straight years with a fly ball rate up over 50%. This year, it was down at 42%, and he still managed to hit 30 home runs. So, you know, let's say he hits more fly balls next year. Uh, I would not be surprised if Reese Hoskins hits 35 to 40 home runs. I'd be a little surprised if he hit that many. <laughs> um, how many did you say? He hit 30 uh, this year, and that's with yeah. hitting a lot less fly balls than he normally does. Right. His career high is 34, and that was obviously in a juiced ball league. Uh, another thing, another change that Reese Hoskins has made as his career has unfolded is he's, he's not, he doesn't walk as much as he used to. He used, he used to be one of the absolute standouts for that, and it made him much more valuable in points leagues than in Roto. Uh, but now he's you know, kind of an above average walk guy. He's become a little more reliable in batting average as a result, but reliably hitting 245, yeah. not, not anything to write home about. So I would say his points league value has dropped down to his roto league value, and, and now they're about even in those two formats, uh, mainly just a power specialist and a good lineup, but decidedly second maybe even third tier, depending where you draw the lines, is Reese Hoskins. His batting average the past three seasons, Scott, 245, 247, 246. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> I would say it's it's pretty consistent and uh, projectable at this point. Kind of like a poor man's uh, Matt Olson. there is Reese Hoskins. Uh, before we get into Scott's early rankings for next year, which, you know, of course, we're not going to spend too much time on because uh, a lot can change, but we do want to give you an idea, get those wheels turning a little bit. Uh, we do have some news and notes, not much going on. Obviously, we'll wait for after the World Series, hot stove will fire up and uh, hopefully we'll get more news then. But the Padres have been eliminated. And as a result, Fernando Tatis Jr. will miss the first 20 games next season. That is set in stone. I guess it's possible he misses more time if he's recovering from an injury or surgery, whatever it might be. But that makes him eligible to return on April 20th next season. Scott, does that change Fernando Tatis's value at all? I'd kind of be surprised if he's ready that early. So my initial reaction is no. Uh, when did Where did he go in that early mock you did? He went entirely too late. He went... Let's see. Mike, he's he's going to be a second rounder at worst. He Oh my gosh, he went 60 55th overall. Yeah. So yeah. that was clearly just him being buried in the draft room, right? right. Yeah. Uh yeah, he's going to be no later than a second rounder. Could this push him into the first round? Uh, we we saw Ronald Acuña move up over the course of last draft season. So I I definitely think something similar could happen to Tatis. Mhm. So there have been four drafts at the NFBC so far. And again, this is going to change a lot in the offseason. But just to give you an idea, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s ADP is 38 in those four drafts. So uh, people are kind of scared right now, Scott. A lot can change, but... I don't I don't know that that's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't. I think it's just he's not top of mind right now. Right. That's, that's my guess. I mean, I've done a lot of early mock drafts over the years, and, and you... He's the kind of player that just gets overlooked. Yeah. In hindsight, I took Jose Altuve in in the late second round, 15-team league, so I think it was 28th overall. If I could do it again, I I think I would take Fernando Tatis and uh, take a shot on on more upside with him. I I mean, I don't mind that price for Altuve for what it's worth, but yeah, Tatis should go earlier. Oh, I I have far and away been the, uh, the high pick on Jose Altuve, Scott. He's gone... As early as 28 when I took him, as late as 52. So, like I said, I, at the end of the I season, hope. people are going to continue to discount Jose Altuve for whatever reason, but yeah, there you go. I like that because, I mean, second base is, gets awful faster than any other position. Altuve is clearly on the right side of that. It sure does. Uh, for what it's worth, I don't know that it means anything, but Jose Altuve is having a dreadful postseason, so uh, I'll have to it look means in, nothing. more into it and... and all right, uh, Nestor Cortez <laughs> left his start on Sunday with a left groin injury. Hopefully it's uh, not serious, nothing that could affect the start of next year. 
following his breakout season. Andres Jimenez will not require offseason surgery after playing the final month with a non-displaced fracture in his left thumb. The Marlins have narrowed their managerial search to four candidates, which includes Joe Espada, Matt Quadrado, Skip Schumacher, and Schumacher? Schumacher? I don't even remember. I know he used to be a player. And then I think he was like a first base coach for somebody. You're making me doubt myself now, too. Is it Shoemaker or Schumacher? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, the other yeah. one is Luis Rojas, who... How are the Mets interviewing Luis Rojas for their manager job? That is just kind of bonkers to me, Scott. But <laughs> we'll see what happens, I guess. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is... Look, it's the Marlins. I think wasn't Don. I think Don Mattingly was their longest tenured manager in their whole history. He was there for a while. Yeah. Did you find the skip pronunciation? Because man, I I really want to know now. I'm not even remembering how to spell his name. Now. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay, there's a C in there. Shu uh, uh, Schumacher. Yeah. Skip Schumacher. Right. Yes, skip that's right. Schumacher. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, and our last piece of news, not news at all, but Scott, I just wanted to ask you this question because. Uh, Halloween's coming up this weekend. Do you have a costume? Will you be dressing up with the kids? No. Ah, come <laughs> on, Scott. Come on, man. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy the dress-up part of Halloween, even when I was a kid. Mm. So now that I am a grown-up, I did I did kind of dress up with them two years ago. You know, very modest costume. But no, not this year. All right. Well, if anyone wants to see my costume... Follow me on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank, and I'll, I'll tweet it out at some point. It's the Sopranos themed, um, and I'm doing a, a couple's outfit with my wife. So should be very interesting. Scott's early 2023 first base rankings. Let's jump in the top five. No surprises here, really. Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Pete Alonzo, Matt Olson. I think with the top four, depending on if you want a younger player, you know, maybe you could shuffle that around a little bit. You can move flat ahead of Paul Goldschmidt, but I think that four is set in stone. Uh, It might change for certain people, but makes sense to me. And I might do the cowardly thing and move Goldschmidt down when I see nobody else is taking him as early as I would. Stick to your guns. I'm going to try not to. Stick to your guns. Well, I mean, partly because I think Position scarcity is back to being a major consideration in fantasy and because we've talked about first base being possibly the deepest position. I'm probably not drafting any of these four, honestly. Uh, they're just probably so, not. They're just so good, you know, Scott. They're so reliable, too. Like, I understand. Yeah, I mean, they have, they as, all as, have, I, as I pointed out, there are, even though first base is deep, there's a lot of, like, question marks. Yeah. Uh, you You could end up just getting a bad one. But you could probably fall back on somebody else if you do. And yeah, I'd just rather focus on third base, second base, early outfield, of course. I mean, that's that's an insanely thin position too. So I'm probably it probably practically speaking for my own teams, it probably doesn't matter what order I rank these four. The only one who I think there's no case to be number one of the four is Pete Alonzo. So I I feel comfortable saying he'll be four for me among the four no matter what all right let's move into six through ten in the rankings and that includes anthony rizzo jose abreu reese hoskins christian walker and cj crone we have not talked about anthony rizzo yet he has a player option for 16 million dollars which i believe he will opt out of the yankees like him quite a bit so there is a very real chance that he'll be back with them but He finished 85th overall. He averaged 3.2 fantasy points per game. Really, really good in that format because he walks a lot. He makes contact. And he is back to hitting home runs. 32 homers. Tied a career high, which he lasted back in 2017. He does miss some time yearly. He has a, I would call it a chronic back condition at this point. He's missed 16 or more games in each of his thrust past three full seasons, Scott. So uh, lower batting average, some injury risk, but... Lots of pop, and presumably in a good lineup if he goes back to the Yankees. How do you yeah, feel about Yeah, so since we haven't talked about him, clearly he didn't finish in the top 10 in Roto this past year, at least according to our formula. Uh, he definitely finished in the top 10 in points. In terms of points per game, Anthony Rizzo was the fifth, or I'm sorry, well, 
sixth best. Le- leaving yeah. Joey Manessis out of it. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was the fifth best first baseman in points leagues on a per game basis. He doesn't strike out much. He's never struck out much. That that helps him in that format. And obviously, having a low batting average doesn't hurt as much in that format, uh, provided you're finding other ways to get on base. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him in the offseason because he is totally tailored to swing for Yankee Stadium. Fly ball rate way up. And that's why we saw the home runs go up for him. It's not going to work well in many other venues. Uh, so, you know, the, the best thing would be if Rizzo stayed at Yankee Stadium just because we have a better idea what to expect. But if he doesn't, if if he doesn't and has the wherewithal to change his swing back to being more line drive oriented, I think he could be one of the big beneficiaries of the the shift ban, which I'll say I'll call it a shift ban just to shorthand the discussion. I explained it already. Um, he was his numbers against the shift were especially bad. They've been especially bad the past couple years, and so obviously it stands to reason that. He would benefit from being it going away or at least being severely limited. If he's still hitting fly balls a ton, it's going to translate to a pretty low batting average either way. But if if he moves somewhere else and can stop hitting so many fly balls, then there's a chance he kind of returns to being the guy we saw more with the Cubs hitting 270-ish with 25 home runs, something like that. The past three seasons, Anthony Rizzo has hit 217, 257, 218 against the shift. So just to put that in perspective, yeah, uh, yeah he has. And that's, and that's you know, to, to put those batting averages in perspective, that's really low. And and that's just what he did on ground balls. So you're, you're leaving out the strikeouts, you're leaving out the fly balls, just on ground balls alone. He hit, he's hit low 200s the past three years. So that's, that's really, really low. All right, Scott, I have a very early prediction for 2023. Are you ready? Yeah. Christian Walker will not be ranked inside of your top 12 first baseman by the time we get to March. (laughs) The reason being is the players ranked just behind him in 11 through 15 because that group of five includes Nate Lowe, Vinny Pasquantino, Rowdy Telez, Josh Bell, and Andrew Vaughn. The two in particular here are the two up top, which... Nate Lowe, I think we could find ways to talk ourselves into him. And Vinny Pasquantino, Scotty. Vinny P, what's not to like? 295 batting average, 832 OPS. More walks and strikeouts. He hits the ball hard. He hits lefties as a left-handed batter. This is the one where there's going to be a lot of helium, Scott. Like Everybody's going to want Vinny Pasquantino next year. I mean, if that turns out to be so, I'm going to move him up for sure. I basically said that in the... Uh, the my breakdown of the first base position. I'm always careful not to rank guys so high that, you know, I I, I basically am selling telling people to reach for them. I want I want if I if it's somebody I like like Vinny Pasquantino, I want to rank him as low as I can get away with ranking him <laughs> and still probably get him. That's my goal in these rankings. So that's. Why I have him ranked 12th here behind Christian Walker, CJ Crone, Nate Lowe. We'll see how it plays out. But yes, of course, I love Vinny Pasquantino. And um, we talked about it so many times over the course of the season. Low strikeout rate, high quality of contact. He walks a lot too. Uh, expected stats are great. And the actual numbers ended up being pretty darn good. Uh, let me see if I can pull up. I remember from a certain date on, Vinny Pasquantino was just a monster. Yeah, I'm, even if you look at the numbers face value, Scott, they're really, really good as a rookie. Yeah. So let me see here. So his final 37 games, Vinny Pasquantino had 362 with seven homers Oof. and 1,009 OPS. He ended up with only 10 home runs despite the quality of contact. This is something I noticed. Expected home runs by, by Park on... Uh, Statcast, and it seems like Royals hitters as a whole were burned by this. Michael Massey even more so. But rather than hitting 10 home runs, if Vinny Pasquantino had played every game in Cincinnati, for instance, it would have been 21. Most places it would have been about 15 instead of the 10 he hit. Now he's still going to play in Kansas City next year, but 
maybe it played especially poorly for power this um in, in 2022 maybe he can do most of his home run damage on the road mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see Vinny Pasquantito being a huge breakout player in 2023 that is the early consensus Scott and looking at first base ADP again four drafts just going to keep prefacing everything with that he is the sixth first baseman off the board he's going inside the top 100 picks so he is going to be a very popular one for next season. 13 through 15 includes Roddy Telez, as I mentioned, Josh Bell, and Andrew Vaughn. Uh, Telez got big breakout year, 35 homers, 89 RBI. I know you have some optimism that the batting average could be on the rise uh, without the mm-hmm. shift. Josh Bell hit 266 with 17 homers, struggled mightily once he got traded to San Diego. He hit just 192 with a 587 OPS with the Padres. He's an unrestricted free agent. So we'll see where he winds up. And Andrew Vaughn was quietly very good. 271, batting average, 17 homers, improved the strikeout rate. Want to see him put the ball in the air a little bit more, but he's steadily improving. He's got prospect pedigree. Uh, I I think there's a decent amount to like with Andrew Vaughn. He's got quick thoughts on any or all three. Telez, Bell, Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, Telez, the actual batting average was 219. The expected batting average was 252. Uh, his numbers against the shift were also pretty bad, so that's why I have hope. Again, my my shorthand that I talked about earlier, when you see a player underperform his expected batting average by that much, there's a good chance it has to do with the shift. And I think that's the case until for, for Telez. Does that mean he could be a 35 home run guy again? I mean, obviously his uh, value for 2023 is more dependent on that than anything having to do with the shift, but he does impact the ball like a power hitter. Uh, keeps the strikeout rate pretty low himself. So I feel... I, I Kind of my initial impulse was to rank Telez even higher than this. I just don't know that I need to. It's, it's a strange stretch here. Be, really, after... So Reese Hoskins, I had eighth. Then it was Christian Walker, CJ Crone, Nate Lowe, Vinny Pasquantino, Rowdy Telez. It's very hard to sort out that group, I feel like, because that's where you see sort of these one-hit wonders, the un- these unproven types, uh, CJ Crone and 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 uh, well, CJ Crone has his own question marks. So, a strange group. Uh, and then right after them, I have Josh Bell, as you mentioned, who I'm kind of getting some Josh Bell fatigue now. I think. Others, I've uh, probably been there for a couple years. He was so good early on, uh, but his second half was just dreadful. And he finished with only 17 home runs. I mean, I think he's capable of more, but I, I think that's about the point 14th here in my first base rankings where I'm kind of just settling rather than taking somebody I really like. So Andrew Vaughn is in that group as well even though he does maybe have some unt- untapped upside. There's not a lot in the underlying data that gets me excited about Andrew Vaughn. All right, let's wrap up with this final group of five, 16 through 20 for first base next season. Brandon Drury, Jose Miranda, Ty France, Tristan Casas, and Joey Two Hits, Joey Manessis, who was just phenomenal down the stretch. He had 324, 13 homers, a 930 OPS, in 56 games with the Nationals. We'll see if he can come anywhere close to repeating that uh, next year with the team. Scott, we do have a comment on YouTube asking about Ty France. A little eyeball emoji there asking about him. And you have him ranked pretty low. Why is that? He hit 340 over the first two months. And so I think that kind of stands out in everybody's memory. Oh, that That's when everybody was paying the most attention. 340, Ty France, he's a stud, made the all-star team. He hit 240 the rest of the way. 240 over the final two-thirds of the season. And he only hit 18 home runs. So it's not like he delivers the power numbers of a first baseman either. And he's not going to be second base eligible next year. It's just first base. So he deserves to be drafted, certainly in Roto Leagues, with extra corner infield spot to fill. But uh, it's not going to be a standout at this position. I feel pretty comfortable saying... All right, the other names here, again, uh, anything else you'd like to add, Scott? Miranda, Casas, Joey Manessis in this mix? I'm really excited about Casas. I could be talked into ranking him higher. 
you know, kind of hard to tell sometimes where to rank the guy with so little to cite statistically, but uh, the little bit he played, he showed the plate discipline translated to the majors. He showed good off opposite field power. This is a guy who got compared to Freddie Freeman sometimes in the minors, and I expect he's going to take over at first base for the Red Sox. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic about drafting him. More so than the three ahead of him, Ty France, Jose Miranda, Brandon Drury, who are kind of just... They're, they're kind of just filling out the list for me. Okay. I could see with Miranda, he's just so young and performed so well in the minors that it wouldn't surprise me if he takes another step where he hits you know 270 with 20 to 25 home runs. I yeah. think that would wind up being a pretty useful player for fantasy purposes. So, And, and he's third base eligible, which is more useful. Yeah, for and sure. And Drury, who I have right ahead of him, is second and third base eligible, I believe. Yeah. So you're more likely to draft those two at those positions, which is part of the reason I have them ranked where I do. And Drury is a free agent, if uh, if I remember correctly. So we'll yep. have to see where he, he winds up. Um, but he pretty he, much did all of his damage in Cincinnati. So that's, <laughs> that's, exactly that's part why. of the reason I'm not enthusiastic about him for 2023, unless he resigns with Cincinnati. All right, any changes in head-to-head points leagues? Nate Lowe drops a few spots because the walk rate has... Uh, Plummeted a little bit this past season. Vinny Pasquantino and Josh Bell move up a bit because of their great plate discipline. Coming up on Wednesday night's live stream, Thursday morning's podcast, we'll do first base prospects to know, plus dynasty buy lows and sell highs at the position. If you have a question, you could send it in at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. But we are going to wrap there. First base. Base is in the books. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Thursday. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.